Good morning, everybody. My name is Eric Orr, and it is my pleasure to welcome you this morning to River City Church. And I take particular pleasure in welcoming back the women who um, went on retreat this weekend. <laughs> we trust that the Lord did everything for you and in you that he wanted to do, and maybe some of it's still going on. So here at River City, we join hands with the worldwide body of Christ by reading and teaching through the Revised Common Lectionary. The lectionary is a series or a set of Bible readings that work systematically through the Bible in a three-year period. Today's reading from Psalms is Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea to dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch over the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you brought us out into a place of abundance. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we praise you and thank you, and we lift you up, Lord. We invite you to be here with us, and we invite you to be here in us. We give ourselves to you wholeheartedly. Right now, dear Lord, we declare that we love you with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our soul, and all of our strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I know there's going to be space later in the service for this, so I won't take long now. Um, but women, if you were on the retreat, your cards or your envelopes are up here to pick up before you go. This weekend, by default, the Lord just sent us into this place of gratitude and this place of really being thankful for who he is, what he's doing, thankful for the amazing story of the weekend that I will wait and let you hear at the end of service because it's awesome. Um, but we, this happened this weekend, this developing an attitude of gratitude. And we coined the, the hashtag thankful for RCC. And we just wanted to extend the challenge to you as well. We are taking this as an opportunity to express why we love this place and why we feel so part of the family. We, there's a lot of conversations that go on one-on-one um, -on -one and in small groups, but we don't get the opportunity to just share. And so I encourage you to take a moment this week and think about what are the, what are the reasons that you feel welcome here? What are the reasons that, well, what's a moment that really stood out to you? What was a moment that 
really made you feel part of the family or something that, that happened that's, that's put, pushing you in that direction. But we just welcome you to hashtag thankful for RCC and join us in having an attitude of gratitude. So that's it. Thank you. Thanks, Leah. I love the idea, thanks. I love that because uh, when I talked to them, I told them that today's message was about thankfulness and faith. So it seems that God's doing something in the midst of those things, those conversations. That makes sense because right now in our, especially in Christian culture, there is a large amount of conversation about deconstruction or um, faithlessness or doubt. And I think we have to be, as the body, careful about creating space for people to deconstruct things that need to be deconstructed without deconstructing Jesus. And so as the body, what if Jesus brings life back to people who live in spaces that are dark and uncomfortable? What if people are in prisons and Jesus sends angels to restore them, get them out, like he did Paul, tear down walls? What if people feel alone and insecure and are full of shame and grief and feel seen and heard, and loved? What if Jesus actually becomes, through the body, life after death? What if death is replaced with life in little and big ways? That's the body of Christ. So today, continuing our conversation about spiritual formation and mission, that's the, that's the call to the body of Christ. Be on mission, but also be formed by Christ. And for me, for you to know, a place God is leading me into personally which will have an impact on the church that God's called me to pastor, is spaces that allow us to be formed and fall back in love with Him. Spaces like prayer and worship and gathering our carts around things to celebrate about Jesus. Things like testimony and sharing what God has done and how good He's been. Things like just simple stuff, the simple things we forget to do the season I feel like he's leading us into will look like that. And I think here's where we are as a Christian culture. There's a pendulum that has always been swinging. And maybe 30 or 40 years ago, a lot of our parents were introduced to the gospel by the Jesus hippie movement. And that's an actual thing. And they were very passionate. I think, Sarah, your dad was one, right? I don't know if he was a hippie, but he was definitely on a street corner preaching every week. And even still, we'll get on an elevator with him and he'll look at somebody and be like, you know where your elevator's going, buddy? And then we're like, awesome, this is going to be awkward from start to finish. So cool. Um, so, so what happened back then was we went all in on the message and the words and making sure people heard it and could make a decision. And what it did was it created a pendulum swing where for the next 20 or so years, and I believe we're still in it, your actions need to speak louder than your words. And that's true. But we're at risk now, not of overemphasizing Jesus verbally, but underemphasizing him verbally and just expecting actions to do it all. Don't hear me wrong and that actions aren't important, but Jesus lived 30 years of his life living in community and family, being a carpenter, being someone who produces in a city, being someone who's known and probably a kind guy, probably a good guy. And then he spent three years of his life, so one-eleventh of his life, on mission for Jesus, specifically about bringing things from death to life and not making friends with those who didn't want to see that happen. So there was a distinct move from being a, like a good person who created space and probably honored people well and made them feel seen and loved to a distinct move for the mission of the gospel. A distinct move. I believe 
without any pressure being added to us, we're probably more in danger of just living 30 years of Jesus's life and forgetting about the last three. Let's just be kind to people. And we should. But there has to come a point when a person realizes that Jesus is the center and he is the one that sustains. As kind as we can be, we're doing it for who? We're doing it for Jesus. We gather today around Jesus. Churches all over the world are gathering around Jesus. And Jesus is important. Jesus is the one who goes from death to life. There's no secondary to that. There's no substitute for that. There's no way you'd make somebody hear it on a street corner in an elevator. You have to live it. I think that's probably a good percentage. Maybe if there's 11%, that doesn't even make sense. Maybe maybe 10% of how we share is with how we share in our words and the rest is how we live. Maybe it's that. Instead of 90% share and 10% live or just 100% share. Like, no, nobody wants that. Nobody just wants to hear the gospel from somebody who's taken off. I actually have a friend who recently, this is where I'm like, I think I know stuff. I don't know anything. I have a friend who is like a brilliant guy. Um, his name is Gordon, and he like leads Christians in massive, he goes and visits like the big churches in Atlanta and leads people. And he told me the way he got saved was literally someone handing him a tract and receiving Jesus. I was certain that that couldn't happen. I mean, I was 100% sure that that will never work. He, he was saying, he's like a real, he's the real deal. So we don't, we don't know it all, right? Just because that's a dumb idea and we shouldn't mass produce <laughs> tracks. And forgive me if you're a part of an organization who sends those out lovingly. It was fun knowing. I enjoyed, I enjoyed your stay at River City. It was great. So I'm going to read you a couple stories that seem to not make sense that hopefully will make sense. And then we're going to create some space at the end for people to hear from the woman that went on the retreat. Because I do believe that in these settings, one of the flaws that we have is putting a person on a stage that has all of the information and then you guys are spectators. It's a body. This is the body. We, we're supposed to share with one another, break bread with one another, be in each other's homes, pray for one another, draw one another towards Jesus, not away. This is the body. So just me speaking and God is going to use that is not all that there is. You have things to say. I mean, just in this room, there are people who have experienced things from Jesus that would blow people away. Just in this room, someone has seen someone in their family healed mentally, emotionally, even physically. Just in this room, someone's salvation story is so unbelievable that you don't have to stir up faith for others or make people feel pressure to have faith. Just hearing a story would be like, really? You got saved from a track? I know less about Jesus than I thought. Just in this room, there are people who have a story that needs to be heard, and if people could hear it, it would change a lot. And just in this room, there was so, there's someone who is so broken right now, but their face does not show it. Just in this room, there's someone who in their body are dealing with something that they don't want to share with people because it's scary. And from their generation, you just don't share those things. Just in this room, there's someone whose son or daughter is nowhere to be found. Don't have a relationship with them. They're broken, deeply, deeply broken. Just in this room, someone is dealing with so much shame because they can't seem to do well with what they have. Just in this room. What if those came to the surface and this happened? A lot would happen. So, so God calls us back to things like thankfulness because I truly believe thankfulness builds a bridge towards faith. Thankfulness creates space for faith to where you don't have to pressure somebody to have faith or convince them to. So 
I'm going to pray a prayer to start. So if you'll close your eyes. Jesus, today, I pray that you would stir every bit of our heart to remember the things that you have done. For those of us who are walking in doubt and fear and anxiety and shame and have put them on as clothing or as identity, remind us of the moments we have tasted and seen that you are good, that we have tasted and seen that there is a better way, that there is life even in the midst of these painful situations. I pray that you would help us remember when we have seen a family member return to you. I pray that you would help us remember that we have seen people healed. I pray that you would help us remember that people can receive a tract and you can be so involved in it that even though it's a dumb method, you still somehow get through it. Because Jesus, you bring people from death to life and that is always good. There's never a scenario where that's not good. And so Jesus, we ask you today, let this body be marked by faith and thankfulness and let, let us make space to mourn with people and to grieve with people, but do not let that replace celebrating with people and celebrating who you are and what you've done. The God who took the Israelites into a place of milk and honey, who restored them after their failure, who always brought them back. The God who sent Jesus into a place from his heavenly home to a place that was foreign to him, where he was a foreigner, living amongst aliens for the sake of the alien, for the love of the gospel. Let us remember that Jesus went all the way to the place of giving himself completely over so that we could have life. Let us always remember that whatever prison cell we are in, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, you can always break through a wall, whether actual physically or come be with us in that. You are always close enough, God. You are always close, and I'm just praying over you right now in this room. He is closer than you think. And I'm talking to the one of you who's already discounted what I just said. He is closer. He's close. And so today, Jesus, help us to fall back in love with hearing stories and celebrating. Help us to not cast stones at those who've walked in doubt and disbelief, but begin to share the stories of how good you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to read to you a passage from Luke. If you'll open your Bibles to Luke 17, 11 through 19. And I, I try to teach Noah, I read him the Bible story every night. We do that at our house. It's a great book for people trying to find a book to read. You should read the Bible to your kids. And I was trying to teach him because we we're reading a story about Paul and Paul, Paul was actually breaking out of prison in, in one of these stories. So I was like, buddy, what are the gospels? And, and he was like, I don't know, daddy. And I was like, what are the first four books of the New Testament? And he said them. Said Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was like, which one of those is most important? I was like, which one is, buddy? Which one is most important? And then he said, I said, well, what's the book right after that? And he said, all the books that end with ends. <laughs> I said, Acts is next. And he was like, what is Acts? Because he thought it was A-X-E. And I was like, no, it's the Acts of the Apostles. It's what happened after Jesus' gospel came. So it's just interesting, but this is part of the Gospels. This is one of the first four books in the New Testament, and there are four different lenses talking about the same story because of the amount of importance that should be put, put towards this particular story, the Gospel of Jesus, the story of who he is. There's four of them. Does that make sense? So this one is talking about a situation that seems to be confusing at first, and, um, but I think it makes sense. But I just want to share right off the bat, this passage has been abused. Um, 
This is a passage that has been used to make people feel pressure when they don't feel faith, to somehow make faith happen, which is literally impossible. You cannot make someone have more faith by telling them have more faith. That's the dumbest thing ever, right? To have faith in something, you have to see that it actually works. Experience it for yourself and find something in it that's valuable. So if that's your scenario when you hear your faith has made you well today, that you just need to have more faith, I'm going to try and come at it at a different lens. So open up. I'll read it to you. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. So really quickly, this is an incredible story for a lot of reasons. But the biggest one is if you're a leper, there's a lot more to do in this society than just this person has skin condition. This meant, if you're a leper, you did not have communion with the body, you could not be around other people, and your disease is fruit of something wrong religiously with you. So all that is wrong with these people surfaces and is shown, but they don't have communion. They don't have, they don't just simply healing. They don't have any of it. So the first thing that you need to understand is that these are separated people. These are people outside the walls of who can be touched. The one who somehow returns to Jesus is a foreigner, which means he shouldn't be even having a conversation with Jesus. And he returns to Jesus to say, oh my gosh, thank you. And the confusing part that follows is, it doesn't seem that the nine are in trouble. They're like healed. So what's the difference? Is the healing that happens for this one of the 10 different? Is something else happening in him? I feel like the nine represent people who are like us. Like if we want something really bad and we have it, amen, right? Like who doesn't want to be healed? Who doesn't want a skin condition to be gone or even be restored to the church or even be restored to society? But Jesus is talking about a deeper healing here. It's almost like these healings are secondary to a healing that needed to happen. And there's only one person who responded rightly. There's only one person who, when healed, because when they were healed, they received what they were looking for. They received what they needed. That's good. But one person received all that they needed and came back to Jesus and said, thank you. This is, this is a tricky part. Because to me, if we're talking about someone having enough faith to see things happen, what if the entrance into faith is thankfulness? What if, it's, what if it's not the feelings that a lot of us feel about how we are with Jesus and the condemnation that we feel that he's maybe throwing at us? 
What if he's been trying to set up a moment for us to see, here's exactly what you need, but I'm giving it to you for something deeper so that he can get what really matters to happen, for you to return to him and sit at his feet and look in his face and realize the healing was Jesus from the beginning. The healing was always him. What if thankfulness is where faith happens? So this is troubling because it's hard to be thankful when we live in a culture of excess. Every person in this room has a list of things they want to see God do, and almost all of them are really good. I want to see you do this. Every person in here feels also trapped in something that you need help getting out of. What if Jesus is providing the healing for you and looking for an opportunity for you to begin to be thankful? But what if you already have those things present? This week was one of the hardest weeks of my life, literally. I can't even explain why. I'd feel like a complete idiot explaining why because it was almost like so mental, emotional, spiritual. I felt spiritual attack. I felt so much weight. There were days I was so up and so down. And I remember feeling like I woke up one morning and I was like, God, I really don't even think there's one thing I can be thankful for this morning. And I felt a breeze pass. I was like, I'm going to be thankful for a breeze. (laughs) Breezes are good. And then my son walks in and he's making some weird, stupid noise. I'm thankful for Noah. And then my daughter, like she played a basketball game on Friday and had the worst game of her life. She plays for a middle school basketball team. And she, she in here? She she was taken out of the game. She was a starter. And you you guys cannot talk to her about this. Dumb move. And she's, uh, we're sitting at Sprayberry High School. She's now on the bench the first time. And one quarter passes and I look over and I realize. She's realizing she didn't perform well enough in the game. And she starts to, and she's trying to hide her tears. So after the game, I went up to her and I was like, Lathia. And it was the first time she had looked at me in a game and because I'm, I also realized something about how I father that's not great. I'm really hard on my kids, especially athletically. And it's not because I don't like them, but because I'm so afraid that they would experience a setting that would bring amounts of shame. And this is what, I looked at her and she looked at me and she said, on the bench, the worst thing she's ever said to me. And I'm far away and all these dads are yelling. She looks at me and she goes, and I was like, mm. <laughs> oh, ah. <sighs> So God changed my heart in that moment right there. And I went from trying to teach my daughter how to not fail to I'm the biggest fan that I've ever experienced for my daughter, and she will never again have to say, I'm sorry, Daddy. And after the game, I looked at her and I said, I said, Lathy, why did you say sorry to me? And she couldn't say it, and I said, I said, do you feel like you failed me this? And she lost it. And I said, you did not fail me. (laughs) Bad timing? Bad timing? You did not fail me. And I hugged her, and it honestly, like, and then then Luke called me and said, I got two tickets to 21 Pilots, and I took my daughter to 21 Pilots last night, and we stayed out till 12. I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) And since that moment, I've been so thankful for just who Lathy is. I could care less if she never shoots another basket. Thank you. Thank you. I feel good about telling that story and also feel a tremendous amount of shame right now. So I was able to reframe all weekend. There is 
as bad as it can be, there's so much to be thankful for. My wife, who is right over there, really attractive woman in the back, intelligent, strong leader, um, she got to go on a women's retreat and not be the leader. And I was so thankful. People were sending me pictures of her singing songs. I got karaoke. I don't know if you even know I have. Um, pictures of you doing pottery like a kid. Our church, right? Like I showed up this morning and for as much mess as churches can bring, I got to see people's faces that are like, yes, I'm so thankful to just be a person in your life. My kids aren't struggling with ailments right now. I, I'm not in prison right now. God is good. He's literally good, and he can restore. And sometimes for us, our road back to faith isn't the big moment that could happen, but just starting right where you are. Are you alive? Do you have someone who cares for you? Do you have a body to be a part of? Can you speak words and not sound like a moron? All of these things are good. Start somewhere. If you're in extreme doubt right now, if you're in deconstruction, if you're like, I'm just done with church, I understand, but maybe it's not even the church. Start back at the beginning. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I get, what, 80 years, hopefully? God, 90, maybe? 130? God, thank you so much that I get to be here for this span. I want to spend it really well, and I want to be a person who walks around and makes people's lives better because I'm in it, not always upset about how bad life is, right? Because the body and the person has to experience some level of thankfulness for the gospel to even be wanted. And it happens in a real way. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to put on your little do do. Like you don't have to do that. So I'm going to read you another passage really quick. This is Paul, and I want to set this up. So Paul, this is later on. Paul is the one who wrote all the books to the ends. As I taught, um, amen. As I taught, um, was that Paul? As I taught Noah, he's learning a lot about the Bible. Uh, he's the one who wrote all the books to the churches, right? So if the book's called Ephesus. Or if a book's called Ephesians, that church is Ephesus. And then I did, if a book's called Thessalonians, what that church called? And he was like, don't know. Like, and none of you do too, so it's great. Thessalonica. All right, so here we go. I'm going to ask you to open up to 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 5. The important thing about this, Paul is writing from prison, which he is in. A two-year stint, which is a long time, and he has been mentoring someone the whole time. And the person's name is what? And Timothy, this is, so this is not us. We don't just go to a library when our mentor takes off. Like we, we get to do all these things. We can find another mentor. This is a time where there was not circulated material about leading in the Christian church. There wasn't even a Christian church. There were no other people. It was like raising up someone who is now in a spot where it's, it's you now. It's when you realize, oh my gosh, like I'm now leading these churches. It feels like me when I started this church, like, oh my gosh, this is a big deal. And he now has a mentor who, because of what he lives for, has been put in jail. And he's serving a term because he's speaking for Jesus. And so Timothy is probably dealing with things like too much work. There's too much to handle. How in the world can God position this to happen and let Paul go to prison? How could, how could this happen? So I, I, I believe, personally, as this is being read, Timothy's probably starting to experience some level of doubt, some level of frustration. He's got good reason because the things around him aren't what they should be. And it's one of the main reasons people in our lives lose faith for, faith for Jesus or God. 
Why is there pain in the world? People do not deserve to be taken into sex slavery 100% of the time, all the time, amen. That's awful. It's one of the key and most strong ingredients when people decide, I do not want Jesus. So he's saying to them such important words here. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. He's not saying, go read the Old Testament today. I'm not saying the Old Testament's wrong. When it hits the fan, and what, what do you do? And for them, he's in prison. That's real. For you, it hit the fan, and it's going to hit the fan. And you're going to have a moment in your life where you can say, I'm ixnaying the gospel in Jesus because none of this is working. You're all going to have a moment. And when it hits the fan, you have to gather your wagons around the simplest part of the whole thing. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. As preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. When I first read that, I was like, why would he, why would he only choose the elect? That feels wrong. God's always going after the alien, always going after the prisoner. He, even in this previous passage, goes after a Samaritan who doesn't even, is not even allowed to mix with Jews. Why is he saying this? And I believe he's saying it because he knows that these people, the elect, are the ones that are beginning to doubt and lose faith. And if they lose faith, if they lose faith in Jesus, no one's got a chance. It doesn't matter if they mount up a mission to help every person on the world. If they lose their faith in Jesus as the center, it will not work. So he's saying to Timothy, remember, I know it's hard for you right now, remember Jesus, risen from the dead the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And that's scary. But alas, listen to this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. So those in this room that are faithless, he is your faith right now. I was talking to somebody in this room right after men's retreat who, told, who literally told me at men's retreat, I cannot sing words of praise right now to God. My daughter's calling me right now. So I, he said, I cannot sing words. And I saw him in the setting at retreat and he, I took him outside and I was like, what's going on with you, man? And he said, I'm at the worst spot I think I've ever been. And I had no idea. He's somebody to me that's always up and always in a good mood. And during that week, I saw five or six different guys kind of spend time with him. No one was the answer. No one had the magical dust that sprinkled and changed everything. No one removed the ability for him to learn and relationship and hear. No one shortened it. And he got back to church that Sunday and he was sitting over there and he said, after service to me, he said, I wanted to praise. I couldn't. I couldn't praise God. But, and he started weeping. He said, I looked around at other people singing to Jesus and their worship was my worship. So I couldn't worship, but because they were, I was worshiping to hear faith, to see faith. This is what restores people. In Jesus, 
this is where we get restored. So, every time in Scripture when the word remember is used, it's usually talking about returning to the sacred. It's usually talking about returning to the things that are at the very center. It's like when your body gets cold. I wanted to have such a good illustration. I wanted to study this. I didn't. But when somebody is going to have frostbite and their blood wants to go to their heart, is this correct? Yes? Maybe? So this is maybe why frostbite happens, because the blood goes to the most important thing to protect it. I think I might be making this up right now. (laughs) But this makes a lot of sense to me. So, so your extremities, right, like your extremities start to suffer because the most important thing needs to be protected to keep life going. Many of you, right, many of you have spent time and energy worrying about keeping your hand alive instead of returning just to the simplicity that is Jesus has died. Jesus was risen. Jesus is coming again. If you're in faith, doubt right now. If you don't know how much longer you can manage in the community of God, because there's just people everywhere that seem to be living however they want, and people are just, all, everybody's just, nobody does what they say. And if that's you, I recommend highly returning to the simplicity of the gospel. You don't have to find massive miracles. In fact, some of you may be looking for a miracle and be one of the nine that walks away from Jesus when the one is coming back because there's a deeper healing that's going to have to be there for you to be sustained. Jesus is the healing. And you can be healed while in a prison cell, in a hospital bed, and you can have thankfulness exuding from you And I, this, I didn't even want to say this, but I'm going to say it. One of the parts of this, can you pull that up again? I w- this, when I first read Scripture sometimes, I always find the, like, the rabbit trail that I would love to spend, and this is the rabbit trail. Go to the next part of it. This saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And then the last part. Remind them of these things and charge them before God to not quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins hearers. When we forget about the gospel, it's really easy to get on Facebook and fight a Democrat or a Republican. And that only ruins people. When we forget about the gospel, it's really easy to hate that we do a liturgical prayer praying for the world and love worship, or hate experiential worship and love liturgical prayers. When we forget about the gospel at the center, we quarrel. If you're upset and quarreling, return to the simplicity of the gospel. It's not worth losing hearers over it. Our message comes strongly through how we behave with one another. Listen, if you can just hone it in, draw the blood back to the heart, God, he will restore. This body can be a beacon to this city without being against a bunch of crap. This body 
can bring life to places that are dead? What if we demonize those who are dead as the ones we can't reach? What are we doing? That's why we're here. So the death can have life. It starts with us, though. If when a person enters our body, we're only mourning and we're only cynics, we're doing no one any good. We need faith to be stirred. We need to see the story of Jesus lived in people's lives. We need to hear about your grandmother, your grandmother's grandmother, the time when they, God came through. We need to hear where he's not coming through now so that you can hear story around it. The story of Jesus will come in simple ways. It'll be beautiful. Thankfulness as an entry to salvation is awesome. That's what I've wanted my whole life. Like I, I don't want anybody to trick me into Jesus. I don't want to go to another heaven's gates, hell's flames, or haunted, or whatever, haunted, whatever the, what's the haunted one? Tribulation trail, like that's a, don't take your kids to it. They're not going to want Jesus ever, because the root of it is fear. What if the root of the beginnings of Jesus is thankfulness and joy, and oh my gosh, this is better than I thought, but rarely are any of us living in the, oh my gosh, Jesus is better than I thought. We're living under a burden of shame because we're not doing enough. Our kids aren't seeing Jesus in us. Circle the wagons around Jesus. Get a, get a storybook Bible if you got kids. Just read simple gospel stories. Let them ask questions. You and your wife, just share the gospel story. Break bread together. Take communion as a family. Somebody tell a story, right? Jesus junk. What is it? There you go. Joy junk Jesus. Do that at your table. Where's Jesus been active this week? When we started that conversation, our kids were like, that question does not make sense to us. And we were like, that's because you're sinners. <laughs> and then we asked them, we gave them a track, and it was beautiful. <laughs> so they're all good now. No. So help them frame. How do you see Jesus? Where is Jesus? Well, Jesus was for Noah and him in a strikeout not being mad at his, his teammates or himself. Jesus for Lathy was her realizing, man, she's one of the neatest people. What I realized last night about Lathy, she is one of the neatest people. If I'm not being a jerk of a dad, I can see it. All of us, like, circle the wagons around Jesus. Let's keep the story going. This is Arbaton. Arbaton and, and the Jesus message goes into our cities. And justice is a part of it, right? We can't have Jesus without justice. We can't just pretend like things aren't happening. But the core of it is we have to have a vibrant relationship as a body and a person with Jesus. He's the reason we're here. Not because of awesome worship. And worship's awesome, guys. Not because of the best speaker. Not because of this room. Well, it's Jesus. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. That's, the, that's the reason we're here. So I'm going to stop now because I thought what better way to share story than hear some women that went on retreat share about how they are thankful for God, what God did. Just stir our faith, right? Like just let us hear some of this stuff without feeling pressure. And I'm going to do that by, well, some, well, Jordan, you just walk around with a mic. People, if you went on the retreat and you want to share, you have a few moments now to do that. You can just stand up or raise your hand. Uh, my name is Allison, and as a result of going on the retreat this weekend, I feel like I know God more. I feel like I know more sides of him from seeing in community the way that he's gifted people and the way that he has already been working in their lives, like, 
up until this point. So for the gifts, there are gifts I didn't know that we needed to make this retreat run off, run smoothly and just that I didn't know that I n needed in my own life. And I saw that through interacting with new people, just um, the compassion, the just deep knowledge of scripture, the boldness to pray like you really think God's actually going to do it. Um, and I, yeah, I don't, I want to know more of God, and I just know that if I'm, if it's just looking at myself, I'm not going to see all of him, but I'm encouraged to know that the more I get to know the people in this room, the more I'll know him. So interesting that you said that because um, I actually felt like I was really seen by God on this retreat. Um, I'm not, in, I've, I've said this many times, I did really have a good time and I was looking forward to it, but I typically do not do women things. And so it was a little challenging at first, um, even though I was connecting with people and stuff. Really the moment for me that was um, just like the Holy Spirit was just like, this is why you're here. I ended up at a table with Jen Pinto and Mariah and Shannon and Brittany was around and just um, entered into a conversation where it was like at the same time in, in our lives where we feel like we're dying a really beautiful death, God is putting his finger on some, some dreams and passions that we once had disqualified ourselves from. And in that conversation with Jen, it was just like, I felt like the Lord was like, no, 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 baby girl. Like, this is, this is very, very much a thing. And then connecting with Caitlin, where there are not many people that I um, really feel like I can talk about the deep waters with. And um, there's only been one other person in my life that I've ever had that with. Um, so I just really felt seen by God and that he was like, no, you, there are... There are people among you that I've put you in community with for the purposes of connecting and for seeing the fullness of who you are and what you are called to coming to life. So it was super awesome. Yeah, so I used all my words this weekend already. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it, in so many ways, it was so beautiful um, from the space that was provided for us was just something to, to relish in um, for many of us. And uh, the opportunity to get to know people on a deep level in such a short amount of time. Um, I got a chance, I, I, I was blown away because I'm totally introverted and so the amount of people that I actually got to know in that time was pretty incredible. And not only just know them on a surface level, but deeper, that would have took um, a lot of time to develop that kind of relationship. Like everyone just opened up and shared. And so we really got to know each other's heart. And I found out there are some other sixes out there in this world, which is pretty cool. <laughs> there's not many of us. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just so much about it. Um, it was really great and so appreciative of the people that put the time and effort together because it's hard to put those things together. So.
Hello, everyone. So um, before I joined this church, I was um, isolated, and I kept myself in isolation for a really long time. And thanks to this wonderful gem, Mariah, I've felt so much family from almost everybody that is here. So just thank you for that. Um, so this past weekend, I saw myself accept that I was allowed to walk in restoration. And I felt like the weight of like my past of shame and just guilt um, and just hiding just fall off of me. And I was my most authentic self that I've ever been. I've seen myself have the most healthy conversations, the most healthy mindset around women. And um, I really saw myself, I really saw myself have so much, so much faith that I was healed than walking in, in hope that I was going to be healed. So that was a complete shift and game changer for me. And just thank all of you guys for having such open hearts. You really changed mine. So this weekend was awesome for me because as a six, I do tend to just like kind of stick with my people. And I have a lot of had a lot of anxieties going into it. And I figured out it was because of preconceived like judge, judgments against myself of like, oh, they're going to think less of me because I'm single and whatever. And but that was just because I was feeling that. But I got to connect with so many women that I never would have because of my preconceived notions against them when really it was just me. Um, and got to be seen by them and get to see them for more than just like, oh, they have, like they're married and kids. And like, I got to get to know so many people on a deep level and get to like be myself, which is hard for me, just like being seen like on stage. I feel like I have to have it like feel like, but I definitely don't have it together. I'm very awkward, but I got to be just completely that and just like weird and just, I don't know. I feel like everyone was kind of able just to be themselves and just let go of like a lot of re religion. I don't, it was just, we're not a religious church at all. But um, yeah, I just felt like very like at home and I didn't even hardly stick with my people, my OGs as we call them, Sarah Turner, Lita, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> but I got to feel like safe and seen and like at home with people who before weren't at all like my people and now I feel like I have so many more people. So I'm very happy about that. I have to say this was the first time that I went to a women's retreat that it was all about relationship, not just somebody speaking from a platform and you know, this is what we should learn today. And that's really what um, having Christ within us is all about, is the relationship. All right, I'm just going to hide behind this pillar. I'm just kidding. The Lord's calling us to step out. Um, so my name is Sarah, and... Um, I, Sarah with an H. Um, I'm so thankful for this retreat this weekend. When I first heard about it, it was like, Adele was like, don't even try. You can't afford it. And then it was like paid for me. 
And then it was like, well, how are you going to find childcare, you know, for your boys? And then the last minute that fell through and my sister couldn't. And then my mother, who's battling pancreatic cancer, said, I'll watch them. And, and then my dad and his wife took the boys the next night. And she said, I just, I want you to go, honey. And I said, Mom, everybody's got these perfect lives. And then there's, you know, the devil just, he tries to make us believe that we don't fit in. And, the, and he comes at us individually, you know, and it's just lies. Um, there was literally, it felt like an obstacle course to just get to the retreat, you know, um, one thing after another. And I was like, okay, I'm going to press through, I'm going to press through. And I just feel so blessed to connect with all of the different women um, this weekend and to be vulnerable and to be honest and to say this is where I am. And, I mean, this church, just, you know, you and Sarah, seeing, you know, Sarah speak in church, that was healing for me. You know, like, my mother was told not to speak in church. My parents were excommunicated from the church that they helped start in Atlanta. Um, so, so much about this body is, is restoring so much in me. And um, as far as my, my biggest moment with, with Jesus this weekend was yesterday morning we were having worship and and um ugh, my voice is shaking okay Whew. and I was sitting there on the floor not even asking to see anything just kind of chilling out trying to remember to breathe trying to get rid of anxiety and I saw the Lord <laughs> just I saw him walk through the room and, and he wasn't Hollywood Jesus, you know, he wasn't blonde hair, blue eyes Jesus, you know. He was like rugged, he was Middle Eastern Jesus, right, okay, with, um, with the, this shining white robe. Um, and as he walked through, through the women, he continued and walked outside on the property across the pond because he can walk on water, right? Um, and as it panned out, like, he just showed me this, this robe, this train, this train that looked like, a, I thought, is that a wedding dress, you know? Why are you wearing? And, and he, he just spoke to my heart, for me personally, that he is my groom, <laughs> you know, that I am his bride. Um, you know, and Esther came up to me later, and she's like, that's straight out of Isaiah, you know, I see the Lord seated on the throne, she started singing, I was like, yes, girl, you know, and you're just, woo, and the train of his robe filled the temple, you know, and it was so, this, this train, and it was like, it was, it was Jesus, and it was peace, and it was, I've got this, and I've got all of you, and I have you, Sarah, you know, and I love you, and the quiet time that I spent with him outside, I mean, I've, I almost fell asleep after reading, you know, Song of Songs and, 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 and just trying to hear his heart towards me and, and, and opening up myself to just a new, a new Jesus. Um, so that's all I have. Sarah. Sarah, just tell everybody your mom's name real quick. Patricia, and she needs prayer for specifically just so we can own it. Okay. All right. So we're just going to pray really quick. Everybody just close your eyes. 
Jesus, we as a body lift up uh, Patricia. She needs intervention. She needs your help. She needs healing. I pray that you would do everything that you can do because you're a big God. Build our faith through this. Thank you for her and thank you for Sarah sharing with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Alita, you want to go and then we can put a wrap on it? Um, we had um, a very interesting event that happened. We were in one house and um, promises were made by the management company that weren't met. And so it was a stressful situation and it turned out that the management company contacted us and said, well, we'll move you to another house. And we're like, oh, great. We got all these people coming. You know, like that sounds easy. And so we, we did it. And as, we're, as we get the pictures of the place that we're going to, it was literally a double blessing. The house was literally double what we were in. Had a swimming pool inside. It was, inside. Like, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. But, and that's the point is, though, it's like we were obedient and we walked in what the Lord said. And we entered into what he told us to do and what we could afford and where we were called to, to go. And it didn't feel wonderful when things weren't going as we thought they should. And then all of a sudden, the opportunity through trial presented itself for an upgrade. So what started off as something that felt like, oh, no, this is all falling apart, ended up being this beautiful opportunity for God to doubly bless us. And it was amazing. He showed up and he showed off. And we got to see firsthand what it feels like to be blessed. Come on, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody, right? So it was just an amazing opportunity to feel God's blessing, and we are so very grateful. So so I love how you guys have said, like, some issues came up instead of saying that when you got there, and I know a lot of the women don't know. Yeah, you don't want me to say it? I want to say it so badly right now. Oh. It's, it, would be a, it would be awesome to share. Why? You should just be thankful. Anybody that went, you should be like, you should be hugging her. And all the, who actually helped lead the retreat? Allison, stand up. Who else helped lead it that's in here? Yeah, Elise. Anybody else? Thanks. We're going to close, but I'm going to say this. If, you hear, if you're a woman and you hear this and you're like, oh, I wish I would have went. That's, I wasn't a part of that. Here's the, here's the great thing about it. The things that got people on the retreat and having that stuff happening on the retreat are the things that you can handle while you're in real life. Pursue community. Make yourself available. Jump into a life group. If you stay in your home for the next six months until the next one, you'll be in the same spot. Pursue people. You have to do like 80% of that work. If you're the person who's like, people just don't come after me, nobody comes after anybody. You do 80% of the work, and then God does the rest, and he, he shows up, and it's awesome. So if you'll all stand with me. I'm thankful for Jesus. I just want to say thank you for a body. Thank you for a differing group of people. Thank you for how we all experience you differently, how we honor one another in that. But thank you mostly that we get to gather around your table. Jesus Christ died, was risen, and is coming again. And we can celebrate that all day long in every home. And so I just as an act of faith, like if you feel it, like you can, this does not mean you're more spiritual, but just as a like, God, we need you. Just, we did this in our prayer group on, on um, Thursday night. It was like the most unbelievably awkward thing to make somebody do, but it's a sign of submission. And so Jesus, we submit to you. 
and we say yes to you, and I want my kids to see me falling in love with you so that they love you. I want them to know their identity is in you, not in sports and not in the lies that they hear the world telling them. I want you to be their answer, and I want to love them so well that they cannot question it. And if they do question it, they return to it because they found out that you're just actually more loving and more full and more going after them and this world. Help us to see as we leave this place that as the people who walk in thankfulness, we take that to people, a lot of times outside of our boundaries, like the Samaritan. Help us to be the loving light, Jesus. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.